In my classes, I do try to make sure that I am represented. If there's certain different questions that teachers will ask or a story that relates to it, I'll say, you know, well, in my culture, we view it like this. Uh, last semester, I saw one of the girls that I went to school with my freshman year, and she was telling to her boyfriend, oh yeah, this is Kate. She's a real Native American. Yeah, it was just a very, very awkward exchange. I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> I know. I I really didn't know how to respond to that. Honestly, I just stayed quiet. And there are certain moments like that where people say things like that and you're like, what do you mean, real Native American? <laughs> this is The Land You're On, acknowledging the Haudenosaunee, interviews and conversations with Indigenous community members and allies, providing the context needed to understand the complicated history of the land you're on. This episode is one of two centering around interviews conducted by Syracuse University senior, Dejosterios Deer. Yeah, so um, my name is uh, Dejosterios Deer. Uh, I'm a Mohawk from uh, Gahnawaga, uh, part of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. I'm 23 years old. Uh, I I'm studying communications and rhetorical studies with a double minor in public communications through Newhouse and Native American studies. I'm Bear Clan and I'm a senior now. My name is Dehostadios. Essentially what that means is he's in a hurry. I was born premature. I weighed one pound and 13 ounces at a very low probability of even living. But yeah, he's in a hurry. And I've incorporated that to everything in life, from eating to doing dishes to cleaning to watching TV, anything, literally driving. Well, not driving. I don't want the police to hear that, but <laughs> I was supposed to be born in a January and I was born in September. Uh, Kate, specifically, I chose her first because I wanted to get a senior response. Someone who's been to Syracuse for a while and understands what's going on. And Kate is a bit older, so she has she's very wise on bringing issues to the university or just concerns that she notices. And it was emotional because it was like about a couple weeks before she graduated, so it was slowly hitting her as he realized she was uh, going to be done with Syracuse University. This meeting is being recorded. Okay. There we go. Um, by the way, I'm so sorry if you can hear Kenai walking around my dog in the background. Um, so my name is Caitlin Ellis and here at Syracuse I'm studying education, specifically selected studies uh, with a minor in Native American studies. And uh, what nation do you uh, belong to? Yeah, I'm Mohawk from Akwazasne. Okay, and uh, what is it like uh, in Akwazasne for people who aren't aware? Uh, life in Akwazasne. So it's kind of broken up in between Canada and the United States. My reservation falls uh, on both of those territories. I mean, being its own sovereign land as well. So, um, I mean, I love my reservation. It's where my family is. And although there are a lot of different struggles that people face, um, it's home and it'll always be home. And it's just such a sacred and special place to me. So when your reservation is split into two, do you live on the American or do you live on the Canadian side? I've always lived on the Canadian sides. <laughs> I grew up a lot of the time going back between the town right beside Cornwall and Sny, which is 
technically part of Quebec and is still Canadian, but you have to travel through the U.S. to get to SNI. <laughs> when you began your process of applying to university and actually having to shift your whole life from living on the reservation to living in Syracuse, uh, what major challenges did you see or have you faced? I mean, it was definitely a huge change to go from being surrounded by family and people I know, friends, like just really close connections to coming to this university where I didn't know a single person. I didn't have any friends that applied or decided to come here. I didn't really know anybody personally. So it was quite a shock just kind of adapting to and creating this whole new mini life that was not necessarily super far from home, three hour drive, but I didn't have a vehicle and it wasn't always uh, convenient to go home, especially with the workload. So yeah, that was, I think the biggest struggle. What's a way to describe what a reservation is or like, what's it like living there uh, compared to living uh, off the reservation or even within a city? I think quiet is definitely a good word to use like thinking about living on the reservation rather than in a city or a more urban setting well besides the fireworks we have a lot of fireworks that go off and stuff like that but like when it comes to you know the cars and the city life and the street lights and stuff obviously on the reservation it's definitely more quiet it's kind of almost hard to put into words what it's like it's just like I think the best way to describe it is it's just so homey and you just feel like so connected in a way yeah so at your time at Syracuse you have adapted a new family and uh, a new home Uh, what do you think shaped that at the very beginning Uh, Definitely the Native Student Program here at Syracuse. I don't even think I signed up. I just was instantly integrated by the help of Tammy and Regina. They just, I was getting all these emails and we were in contact. So I would go to all the different events and I got to know so many other Natives from all over the place. So that was definitely huge. It allowed me to kind of create a family here closer to the one that I had back home. And it was so helpful in just adjusting and feeling like safe and comfortable and relaxed in this completely new space. So do you think that without that program, uh, you would have had a different experience? Yeah, I think without the Native Student Program, I would have connected to people, but not anywhere on this kind of level that I have. I think that in developing these relationships and like connections that I've made, I've gotten to become like so at ease. And I think that if I didn't have the native student program and have met the people and created the relationships that I did, I don't think I would have felt nearly as like relaxed and comfortable in this area as I have become. In your opinion, uh, do you think uh, Indigenous students are represented well on campus? Is there ways you think it could be done better? I think even since beginning here four years ago, the representation has grown, but I feel like the university definitely does need some work because some things were brought up last semester. I think the word would be like preconceived notions that other students have about the Indigenous students here that definitely didn't sit right. Can you explain, um, to the best of your knowledge, what 
those incidences were? I heard from other Native students that in some of their classes, people thought that the Native students at the school were here for free and that they had all these luxurious benefits and stuff like that. And that the only reason they got into this school basically was, I guess, to support diversity in a way. Um, it definitely wasn't a positive view that the other students had. So how, do you, how does that make you feel when you hear students say that uh, because it seems like they aren't well informed on what the Haudenosaunee promise is or why Indigenous students um, receive these benefits? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not really everybody's business and I understand that, but at the same time, I think that these negative kind of thoughts that the students have should definitely be like addressed and they should be better educated on it because the Indigenous people who do get into this university they have something to offer at the table. They're not just getting in because the university needs more diverse representation with their student population. The people who are here deserve to be here. And I think a lot of students that come here, they don't really have an education on Haudenosaunee. Some luckily do, but a lot of people don't have any knowledge on Haudenosaunee people. And with that in mind, so have you ever in your four years at Syracuse had any positive uh, or negative experiences like uh, with uh, students who, when you say, oh, I'm an Indigenous woman, is there any microaggressions that come about with that? Mm-hmm. Um, in my freshman year, I had a roommate where there was some microaggressions, just like certain remarks. But I've also had like really positive experiences in getting to know a lot of different students of different backgrounds. I had a roommate from France who didn't have any knowledge on Native American people, but as time went on, we became like really close and she loved learning about my culture. And same with another one of my friends who was originally from India. We kind of bonded over our different cultures and sharing stories, which was one of the most amazing experiences. Has there ever been like any questions that they've asked that like stick out the most when uh, you explained that you're Indigenous? In my classes, I do try to make sure that I am represented and I'll say, you know, well, in my culture, we view it like this. And actually, uh, last semester, I saw one of the girls that I went to school with my freshman year and she was telling to her boyfriend, oh, yeah, this is Kate. She's a real Native American because... We were bonding over meeting each other for the first time in three years. And yeah, it was just a very, very awkward exchange. I'm trying not to laugh. (laughs) I know. I, I really didn't know how to respond to that. I just, I honestly, I just stayed quiet. And there's like certain moments like that where students or people say things like that. And you're like, what do you mean real Native American? (laughs) The goal of this whole interview and this whole experience is ultimately on the theme of understanding. It shouldn't be incumbent upon anyone to explain themselves all the time, but is there anything about being Indigenous you wish people would understand? Like, is there something that they should just get? That's a good question. I think out of all of the things that people don't understand about Indigenous people, I think that what people should just automatically get is that Indigenous people can be extremely intelligent and they can be academic and they can succeed in school. 
if that's what they choose to do, you know, so much of our education and what we do is so based in westernized standards, right? Like all these academic kind of guidelines, papers and research and stuff, it is so westernized that a lot of the time indigenous knowledge just gets swept under the rug, right? Because everybody's listening to westernized science when indigenous people know this land better than anybody else, right? Because, you know, indigenous people are the original people of this land. So if anybody knows how to protect it and, you know, make it flourish, then it's indigenous people. So I think that overall people should just really understand that indigenous people I mean, I don't want to say it, but Indigenous people are probably smarter than, you know, westernized um, academic standards. But yeah, I hope that makes sense. Oh, it does completely. Okay. So with that notion, would you encourage students to participate in taking a Native Studies course at Syracuse? Yeah, I would definitely suggest that all students here take the Native American courses. We have the most amazing teachers here at Syracuse University. And just getting to know this valuable take on history, whether you take away the fact that Indigenous people are still on this land and thriving, right? Because so many people are just like, wow, Native Americans are still here because they don't receive education throughout the U.S. on Native American people. So I think there's definitely a huge amount of value in taking these courses. They're not difficult courses at all. And you could really walk away with your life being altered in a way, right? The Thanksgiving address, learning to be thankful and live in balance with our natural world is something that so many people have just lost and don't consider anymore. You know, not everybody thinks the trees every day or, you know, thinks the winds every day. And there is a lot of value in taking time to think these pieces of our world, you know? When it comes to graduate students and the possibility of them receiving uh, a form of the Haudenosaunee promise, do you think that's beneficial? I definitely think grad school is beneficial, especially if it were to be funded through the university and the Promise Scholarship, because in society today, you know, costs are going up and jobs are requiring more experience and more education and grad school is expensive. School is expensive in general. So offering that, I think, could even be, you know, a better step in the right direction of what the university is trying to, like, achieve in regards to representation and building a bridge and better relationship with Indigenous people. How has COVID-19 impacted your academic experience comparing to your first two years in person? Well, I was one of the students who was studying abroad when the pandemic hit. So that was an insane change because I went from having just the most amazing classes and the best time of my life to being in this desperate situation to get home from England. A lot of teachers were luckily pretty understanding because they were going through the pandemic themselves over there, right? But it was definitely a huge, huge change. And even the fall following the pandemic, 2020, um, I took the option to stay home because 
the pandemic was a scary thing and I wanted to stay close to home and close to family in case anybody needed me. So that shift to doing school completely online was definitely the most challenging year ever. I had to work to support myself. Obviously through the pandemic, I was working at a grocery store and then I was working at this kind of liquidation shop. But, you know, there was this sense of fear and I guess unpredictability, I guess you could say, because it was also new and it was also scary. And there was all these different opinions on the vaccine. And it was just kind of like you weren't sure what to do or what to expect. And when things slowly started to get better, we saw that we all got to go back on campus and we got to essentially, as you just put it, uh, kind of go back into normalcy. Was it awkward to go from being back home and going to school online and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I have to go back to Syracuse and pretty much just start again there? Yeah, the transition back to being in person and kind of back into the full swings of what we thought was normal. It was incredibly difficult in the beginning because I wanted to see all my friends. I wanted to just experience the outdoors and, you know, the shops and different restaurants and stuff again, because, well, at least in Ontario, it was all still locked down. And I remember there was some hesitation with different family members they were like okay if you're going to go back to school please be safe wear a mask social distance don't hang out with too many people but then as soon as I got back here I was like yes let's hang out let's get back together and although I was super excited to do those things there was always this sense of fear because I was like what if I get COVID over here and the university health insurance is not the best so And so to shift gears, uh, there's a quote I'm going to read from a Dartmouth student on their experience as being an Indigenous student on campus. says, on a regular basis, I felt as if I and other students, as well as some professors, were existing on a very different planes of reality. With that in mind, did you ever feel that being on campus? Yeah, I definitely, I still feel that, especially kind of... I'm a bit of an older student, right? It took me a bit longer in life to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. So here I am graduating at 27 years old. So I would say I'm a bit up ahead in age compared to my other classmates. So I think my age definitely added into this feeling of being a bit of an outsider, living on different kinds of realities because you would see these fraternity houses and these boys playing beer pong and getting wasted during the day, playing really loud music. And it's just, it's definitely two different kinds of realities. Thinking back to something different, our value system and traditions and ceremonies that we do, it's so different to the majority of the white students here at Syracuse University where you know, they live pretty different lives. To look ahead for what's in the future, for students who are considering going to university, what words of advice would you give to them on coming to Syracuse? And you can say whatever you uh, is on your mind. There is no better feeling in the world, at least to me, than showing the people who think you can't do something your success. You know, I was told by different teachers and different people in life, oh, she's not smart enough to go to university. Uh, She might have to take simpler classes and stuff. And 
look, here I am about to graduate university and it is just the biggest middle finger to all of those haters, right? So you know what? Although it was such a huge change to come to this place where I wasn't going to know anybody and I would have had to create my own path and my own, you know, different kind of life. There's so much power in gaining this education and in becoming successful in any kind of way, really. Let's just say hypothetically your child decides to go to Syracuse. Would you share your same experiences to them and kind of like give them like a heads up on what to expect? Or would you just tell them to just go and be the best that you can be? That is such a good question. You know, I do want to become a mother one day. And if they decide to come to Syracuse, I think that would be awesome. It really depends on how much my child would want to listen to me. But I feel like I would want to share my experience with them and kind of give them somewhat of a heads up, but also just like really leave it so they can kind of do what I have done and just really create your own experience and just have the best time with the best people. You know, I think that surrounding yourself with like-minded people and just saying yes to a bunch of different opportunities is going to just give you the best time. When you look back to a hundred years ago or even 80 years ago, or let's just say even 60 years ago, Indigenous students, not many of them went to university. And mm-hmm. with that in mind, a lot of them didn't even like uh, complete high school compared to white students. So mm-hmm. uh, can you explain just a bit about like the evolution from that mindset to where we have a lot of uh, Indigenous students, much like yourself, who will be graduating university? So obviously with the attempted assimilation and erasure you know, colonization happening, it was so forced upon Indigenous people that our knowledge wasn't valid. And it got to a point where obviously a lot of Indigenous people were starting to believe this mindset. And there was a lot of different influences that affected what it did in history, things that I'll never understand, because obviously I'm a younger generation. But I think this mindset of going back to reclaiming our culture and celebrating our culture and just kind of showcasing that assimilation and erasure did not work on us. We are still here. We are still celebrating, doing our traditions, learning our languages and everything. I think really going back to that teaching or the mindset of seven generations ahead, right? We want to do things that our elders and our ancestors didn't get to do, you know, through boarding schools and residential schools, they didn't get to wear their hair long. They didn't get to sing their songs. And now that we're in a society that is attempting to be more diverse and different communities that are attempting to be more inclusive, just that opportunity in getting to celebrate and do these things on a wider scale is just so important. Yeah. Considering you have only a couple, what, like 10 days left <laughs> of, uh, mm-hmm. of your senior year, what lies on the horizons for you uh, after graduation? Yeah, so I just went through a pretty vigorous interview process to become a child protection worker, specifically the Indigenous designation close to where I live back home. And I got that job. So that is on the horizon for me. I am so excited to 
work with Indigenous families. And I think a big part of the job is connecting families in more of an urban setting back to their culture, back to their roots, and really develop this identity because that work is really challenging for people who have been disconnected from their culture and their community. So a lot of my job will be, you know, really helping those families. And I'm just, I'm so excited to do that kind of work because, you know, throughout the four years, I thought I wanted to do education and in the future, I still might want to do education. But for right now, this work is calling me and I think it'll be super amazing. Wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to add on your experience at Syracuse University or anything at all that you'd like to say? Yeah, I'll just say that my time here at Syracuse University has been the most amazing time. I've met the most amazing people. Um, oh my God, I didn't think I'd get emotional. <laughs> it's okay. You can start whenever you're comfortable, okay? Okay, I'm sorry. It's fine. That's why I saved this question to the very end. <laughs> I was not expecting to cry. No, it's been it's been so amazing getting to know just the most awesome people. And I've been in school for so long. <laughs> I did a year of psychology and then I did early childhood education. <laughs> and um, yeah, it'll be surreal to get back into the real world and leave a bit of like this childish stuff behind. I'm so excited, um, but yeah, the university has a lot of work to do still, especially for the future generations. And, you know, if my children want to come to this school one day, I hope that it is definitely improved and more inclusive than it is now, because there's a lot of work to be done, but it's on the horizon, yeah. The Land You're On is a production of Access Audio, a storytelling initiative of the Special Collections Research Center at the Syracuse University Libraries. Produced by Brett Barry, Bianca Kayela Breed, Neil Paulus, and Jim O'Connor. Interview by Dejosterios Deer. Post production work by Silver Hollow Audio. The Land You're On is distributed by WAER Podcasts, available at WAER.org, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Production help for The Land You're On from Cal Doherty and Kevin Claus. For further information, reading, and educational resources, visit The Land You're On Research Guide, available at soundbeat.org.